You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Inflation, recession, stagflation. Just what the hell is going on? Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to another Real Vision podcast. So, what the hell is going on? We all want to know. Here at Real Vision, we've debuted a special series called Global Recession Is Everyone Wrong? We've called on the world's best experts, including Juliette DeClerc, David Rosenberg, Peter Zihan, Pierre Anderan, and many more, to try and help us make sense of things. These real experts will be giving Real Vision members in depth, long form analysis on the real stuff that's happening. And best of all, you can get access to all 14 days of Global Recession Is Everyone Wrong for just $1. Yep, $1. So head over to realvision.com slash global recession. That's realvision.com slash global recession to join us on this epic two-week journey of discovery. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. It's Tuesday, May 24th, 2022. I'm Ash Bennington, joined by Thomas Thornton, founder of Hedge Fund Telemetry. Tommy, it looks like we got ourselves a pretty ugly day here uh, in tech stocks. Uh, Dow Jones basically flat on the day, up uh, 0.15%. S&P 500 off uh, 0.81%. Closing out looks like 3,941. But the big story of the day, of course, is NASDAQ minus Two spot three five percent closing here at eleven thousand two hundred and sixty four. Not a good day on tech stocks. Not a good day uh, for uh, social media. Tom, how are you thinking about these markets, man? It's pretty uh, precarious, I would say. The um, who knew that Snapchat was going to have such a big influence on the entire market? It absolutely crushed everything, and I, I think. Did you say it was down 43% on the close? Uh, that's just, that's amazing. But, you know, look, I think that um, this has been a market that we've seen in the last few weeks that if you miss earnings, you guide down, and it's a surprise, let's say Walmart and Target, you're going to get killed. And that's, people just don't have any patience for anything missing. And, to me, it was kind of strange that people were a little like surprised with um, with Walmart and Target because I, I think people know that the consumer is starting to pull back. But I guess the magnitude of it and just the, the sheer like shock value uh, just sent everybody, you know, scurrying for the exits. And I, I actually think that that's behavior. It's a, that's capitulation type behavior in those stocks. I don't think we've seen full capitulation in the market. And we may not on this this swing. I think we're probably going to see some reflex bounces. Um, and it's a bear market. Uh, so you see bear market rallies that come out of nowhere and they're pretty sharp. Yeah. You know, you and I were talking a little bit off camera. I think you said, who knew Snap had such an enormous impact on markets? Yeah. I'm not a Snap user myself. Uh, any thoughts on why we're seeing uh, such a steep sell off more broadly uh, with one company guiding negative? You know, I think it's just the it was a big read on the advertising business, online advertising. And 
this was you know really the first one. I mean, Google was a, a little light on on with YouTube and a couple other metrics, and look, their stock got massacred off the you know their their last earnings. So it's it's a little bit of a surprise to me. Uh, you know, Snapchat necessarily wasn't so cheap, so for it to go down like this, uh, maybe it's bringing it more in line with uh, a valuation that the world can live with. And no, I don't. I don't use Snapchat. Uh, my kids don't use Snapchat anymore. They use TikTok, and so maybe Snapchat's losing some market share to TikTok. Yeah, this isn't my uh, demographic anymore, sadly, but I did a little bit of research on this earlier today because, to your point, I, I kind of was a little bit uh, surprised myself at the impact of the sort of knock-on effect from, uh, from Snapchat. And, and apparently, obviously, we know that it's the 18 to 34 demographic uh, where Snapchat has their presence, obviously a crucial demographic uh, for advertisers, uh, for manufacturers, for service providers. Here's what I found out that I thought was really interesting. Apparently, Snapchat is very big in the digital try-on space. So like, for example, you want to try on a new pair of eyeglasses, you want to do it in AR, VR, the place to do it, the place that 18 and 34-year-olds to 34-year-olds are doing it, in fact, is on Snapchat. So this uh, macroeconomic warning coming out of Snapchat is being seen as something of a bellwether uh, for that critical consumer demographic, it would seem. Okay, well, I, if I need glasses, new glasses, I'm going to have to sign up to Snapchat. Uh, yeah, look, it, it's this is a market that, uh, again, they're they're punishing anything that, that misses. And I'm really nervous about NVIDIA tomorrow. And NVIDIA is going to be a real key uh, tech market stock to, to watch. And they could be a little soft, but the stock is down over 40% since their last report. They're down, I think it's 60% off their highs. So is it priced in? And that's going to be a big deal thing too. And I, I last night I, I bought such little tiny positions in um, Zoom uh, and Best Buy. And I, I just, those looked very washed out. There was heavy put buying in those names. And I thought, they might be able to work and they they actually work well best buy worked for a little bit today and zoom worked pretty well considering the market and these were just little trades but i think that we're going to come into a place where that we're, we're in this bad news gets sold hard um it's going to be a not so bad news gets bought type market and that's yes. what i'm waiting for Hey, talking of which, talking of uh, the macroeconomic headwinds, I wanted to take a look uh, at something that was just on Real Vision uh, a couple of days ago that I think is really speaks to this point. Uh, this is an interview that Rao Pal did with Dario Perkins, Managing Director at Global Macro, uh, available to all Real Vision subscribers on the Essential Plus and Pro tiers. Let's take a look at that clip. We're adjusting to a higher interest rate world. So you basically had this huge bubble over the past two years uh, in everything. And, you know, growth, growth stocks were a big part of that. And this view that interest rates were never going to go up and secular stagnation would probably get worse during COVID. You know, those are all kind of consensus views up until quite recently. And that led to this constant re-rating of those stocks. And we've now had this massive readjustment, you know, a massive rotation in financial markets. So we're starting to get back to where we were before the pandemic. You know, that you look at the PE ratio of the tech stock, it's basically back to where it was pre-COVID. That to me looks like a quite healthy environment. You know, those tech companies will still, you know, will still generate the profits that people are expecting, but they're not going to be continuously re-rated on the basis of very low interest rates. 
So we now get this secular. So, so, so the E can the E can go up, but it's not going to be the PE going up. Essentially, is what you're saying. No, the, the E would be fine, but the, the fact is that we were living in a in a kind of growth scarcity world, and so if you were a company that could promise you know decent future earnings, you got constantly re-rated on the fact that nobody else was making any money, and so you had this you know perma zero rate environment. I think we've we've basically burst that bubble now, and you know the the ratings have gone back to where they were. Really interesting clip. Two things stood out to me, Tommy. Uh, first, this quote: "Living in a growth scarcity world." Interesting point. Uh, and finally, uh, this idea that you know several months ago it seemed that interest rates were never going up, uh, and now we have, for example, today, uh, Madame Lagarde at uh, the ECB coming out with increasingly hawkish comments about the uh, European Central Bank beginning to withdraw monetary, ultra-accommodative monetary policy. Uh, thoughts on the br broader macroeconomy and something of what we're seeing here from global central banks, Tom? Well, my first comment is about the Fed. And I think the Fed, I mean, they, they one thing that they do is that they are they will tell everybody what they're going to do in advance or they'll start piecing it out with the fed heads going on on speeches and talking about their plan and uh, that i think is a good thing uh, nobody needs necessarily a quick turnaround of, of policy and sometimes when you get like a bullard who will say oh 75 basis points and the market freaks out and then powell says no 75 and the market freaks out i don't think that's a good thing but looks like it's going to be 50 50 and then 25 and that to me is going to get priced into the market and people are going to start to get used to that and live with that type of you know that that plan you know QT starts in a week um, June 1st and it'll be interesting to see how the market if there is any sort of reaction uh, towards that if the market doesn't even notice it it'll be interesting to watch so Lagarde is, um, and the ECB, and there are a lot better people than, than me to speak about the ECB, but they, they seem to be going along a little bit more making it up as you go. And I think the Europe is getting very concerned about inflation. I think they're really, really concerned about energy inflation. And they know that they have to do something and and they actually have cover with the fed doing what they're doing so i think she's just sort of following along with what the fed's doing right now and you know they cut rates all at the same time they'll raise rates at the same time inflation will eventually moderate and i don't think it's necessarily going to be like this drop in inflation i think it's just going to be steady for several months uh, the next inflation number It'll be interesting to see how the market reacts to that. It could be perhaps a little less than uh, last month, although gas prices were higher. So that's a risk right there. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. 
So much to talk about there. Uh, just a couple of points to throw out. Uh, first, ECB President Lagarde today said that the ECB is going to be out of the negative interest rate business by 3Q uh, of this year. Uh, this is obviously a relatively quick uh, transition to be made. Uh, here in the U.S., uh, you mentioned uh, Mr. Bullard, Governor Bullard. Obviously, Fed uh, Governor Bostic has said some things uh, to the contrary. Even fire trucks with sirens blaring slow down at intersections. So it's almost this this weird kind of push-pull effect. And and you know, Tom, for me, the big picture, fifty thousand foot. When people ask me. Um, you know, at a cocktail party, what's going on? It seems like the challenge that the Fed has is that they have significant problems right now on both sides of the dual mandate. They've got challenges with growth and they've got challenges with inflation, right? So stable prices, maximum sustainable employment, that's the lever. There's a fulcrum in the center that they move back and forth to try and balance it out. But what do you do when you're running at an eight handle on inflation and you see growth slowing, you see indications uh, of significant uh, challenges in the U.S. economy. We got a new home sales number out today uh, that was pretty ugly. Uh, below consensus, below consensus range, uh, below prior, it was 591, was 591,000 was the actual uh, on the print. Consensus was 750,000. Prior, uh, prior was 763, revised was 709. These are ugly prints uh, on new home sales. Well, we're seeing it across the board on a lot of different different surveys. Uh, they've all come in a little light, and we're going we're in a stagflation environment, and th and that's going to be the the path until we most likely move towards a recession. And I'm not sure exactly when we're going to be in a recession. It could be this fall, and that might be when the Fed starts to pull back and say, you know, they could after doing 50 basis points twice, or let's say they do 50 basis points, and let's things get really ugly in the data, they may do 25 and the market may take a relief on that. Now the Fed, their policy mandate right now from the president is to cool inflation. And so they're not necessarily looking at the equity markets saying, oh, we've got to support the equity markets. That's secondary on their list of things that they're concerned about. Now we're starting to see unemployment or we're probably going to see unemployment data start to tick up. Uh, you've seen some layoffs happening here and there. It's not prevalent across the board, but I think that's coming and that's just part of the cycle of what, what to expect. Tom, the headline writer in me sees uh, says, boy, did you just say stagflationary environment and heading into a recession? Well, like, like that's a novel thing that nobody's saying right now. Everybody's thinking the same thing right now. And but currently stagflationary. I mean, you you see the the impact to growth. Obviously, we know we got one negative GDP print, but you see this as being a durable stagflationary environment and recession on the horizon imminently. Well, I'm not. You know, I was talking to Julian Brigden yesterday, and he's not in the recession camp, imminent right. recession camp, and. So my view is sort of mixed between his, I, I think towards the later part of the year, we're, start, we're gonna start to see the recession take place. And you have a lot of negative political stuff coming up with the, the I mean, I say negative just because I hate politics, but the uh, midterm elections are coming and, and I think that's gonna put everybody in a bad mood. And, and I think that it's, it's gonna cause more consumer spending slowdown 
I mean, we've seen a real big spike in a lot of different places and the airlines have been doing really well and the airline CEOs are saying demand is off the hook and I've been traveling and planes are full, but we're starting to see some slowdown in the, the retail sales and in clothing, which Target highlighted. Uh, and Nordstrom's is up to after hours. Um, they had better than expected numbers. So maybe we're moving into that. It could have been worse type. I haven't seen the numbers, but it could have been worse type. Let's buy it after. It's not as bad. Let's, you know, I have. I should just write all these down. It's not as bad. Could have been worse. Um, <laughs> it's terrible. Sell it. You know, I gotta. I should have that on my my screen right here. You could sell one of those like tear off calendars, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Just pull a tab. You know, like a little. Oh, boom. Sell. This. That's your plan. Tommy, our screen is lighting up right now with questions that are flying in. Any other points you wanted to cover before we go to questions from our viewers? Maybe, but let's go to viewers. Okay, here we go. Doug E. from The Exchange. First question. Uh, if we slow or go into recession and interest rates go down 1% to 2%, give me percentage points, would you expect tech stocks to go up? Well, they're cyclical, so I most likely, if you go back and you look at the 2000-2001 period, uh, tech stocks did go down and they were in a bubble. This is a, a different period where you've already had a really, really big pullback on most every tech tech name out there, and the NASDAQ is super oversold with the percentage of stocks above the, you know, that you can go from the 20-day to 50-day to 150, 200-day, It's they're really depressed. And I think the average stock is down 50% in the NASDAQ. It's just dreadful. So you might see some reflex rallies, some bear market rallies. It, it, it depends. Um, it depends on where you're looking in tech. I don't think it's necessarily going to be this, this great bull market again, just because rates go down. Because I think there's a lot of damaged companies out there, and, and they they went up on QE, and we're not doing QE again for quite a while. Yeah. Uh, here's a question that comes to us. It's a great question, actually, uh, particularly for you from MLC from the Real Vision website. What does Tommy make of Tom DeMarc's monster rally call? Is there a DeMarc signal for the 10-year rate? Uh, secondary question. But I'm really curious about your thoughts on the first. Right. Uh, I, I wasn't on the conference call that he did. Uh, I do know uh, Tom, and I've known Tom a long time, and I'm a DeMarc you know, user. I've used DeMarc indicators for 20-plus years. Uh, he, Tom is a really unique guy, and what I see right now for me is a lot of DeMarc buy countdown 13s start to pick up. And I look at, on, on my side, I, I screen for the 13s that, within the S&P. So we have a high number of those. We have them on the S&P index. We have them on the SPIs, um, NASDAQ, uh, just about everything. And once you get those, you usually get a, you have a 10-day, 12-day window before you start to see a price reaction. If you don't see that, then the trend can continue. But Tom DeMarc, I believe, is looking for a more strict version of what is his combo and that would require uh, one new low or another low actually two days of lows and that would trigger a buy signal and if we get there we get there um, i'm using the default indicators and my view is that 
um, we're in a place that it's it's you can use a shotgun and you know rather than a sniper a sniper rifle at this point. I don't yeah. have any signals on the ten year um, right now. I think it I think the ten year um, I think rates are going to go down a little bit. I also think the dollar is starting to roll over as well. I had signals on the dollar. So here's here's a sniper rifle question, but the good news is you get to pick your target on this one, Tom. Okay. Ralph Humphreys from the Real Vision site. What strong trades are the gods of Demark showing, Tom? Hmm. Well, I, again, I, I like the S and P and the Nasdaq. I believe can rally. Uh, it's been there's been no momentum after these signals. We had a few days of a pop, which was actually a nice little pop. Didn't last long, and usually we get these rallies in the last, you know, the last six months. We've had rallies that lasted a couple weeks, and then they they fizzled out. Um, I, I what I what I have been buying. I bought some Microsoft. I'm buying more uh, Alphabet. I'm buying. I have some Apple. It's not making me very happy right now. Uh, Oracle I bought recently. I bought some Target uh, on the, the drop, and I still think that that one is exhausted. So these are like buy signals that we're getting. I Yeah, I, I'm trying to tell people to, to upgrade your quality in this type of environment. If the market bounces, it's going to easily go towards the mega cap names that worked in the, the past. I'm not there yet on Amazon. I was long for a little bit. It bounced. I got out. I was short on the way down. Um, yeah, I'm all over the place today. Um, boy, I think it's just, uh, again, upgrade your quality. And when we do bounce, it's going to be the mega cap names. You're going to get more bang for your buck in some garbagey arc-like name. But I think that you're better off with um, the more steady brand name market share owner moat type names uh, so here's a question that comes to us from greg 87 from the exchange this is real vision's internal social media network uh greg is clearly an optimist tom we need those in the world uh ism report from today sees strong growth still for 2022 won't this play into the fed's narrative that they're able uh to stay on track and achieve a soft landing and if so doesn't this make the backdrop for equity markets even more bearish and they'll keep tightening? Well, it sounded like a bullish question at the beginning, didn't it? I, he's, he, he tricked you on that one. It's not, <laughs> that, it's not that much of an optimist. Uh, <laughs> look, the, the, we haven't really seen all the economic data fall apart as much as it can, and it will. And it may take a while. It never really falls apart unless you have a new pandemic like we had, and then everything fell apart and then came right back. Uh, yeah, it's going to take time. And I, 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 yeah, I think the Fed's just locked in on 250 basis points and a 25 right now. And the 25 is going to be the wild card. And if they pass on the 25, which will be going in towards the election, you know, they don't like to do a lot ahead of an election uh, because it seems political. So they may just pause and we may get a little bit of a relief. Um, and then, I mean, it's, it's this, this year is kind of reminding me a lot of 2000 where we had this really awful spring, super choppy, uh, rebounded into summer and got into the fall. And then big tech names started to 
fall apart and guide lower. I mean, you had Apple down 50%, and uh, up Dell was getting killed. Everything was just murdered, and it was just like nonstop. Then you had the election. That was a nightmare. So I think that that's my my feeling right now. I think the, the ISM, it's, backward, it's backwards looking, and, you know, let's see what happens. I mean, Snapchat said things deteriorated really fast in the last month, right. so let's see. Yeah, important point about the ISM data that shows strong uh, growth or continued growth, the idea that it's backward looking. Uh, obviously, um, when you have advertisers paring back their own dollars, that's an expectation of what future growth uh, and future sales and future revenue will look like. Yeah, you know, there's, you know, these have come in as well. And that's a good thing from the from the peak levels. And we really haven't seen any red flags on the ISM data stuff yet. I mean, it's there's, it's going a little lower in some of the components, but there's no real red flags that I've seen that I can call a red flag. Some others might say, yeah, this is a disaster. But we're just in a place right now where I want to see what the CPI is in June uh, for May, and we'll you know be able to adjust the markets that way. I think the Fed's locked in on 50. And the market may get used to that. They may start to say, okay, we can live with this. And, you know, unless we see some more, you know, guide downs or something really disastrous happens, the market falls, you know, you know, waterfalls here. I mean, markets can crash when they're oversold. And that's usually when you have the people that have been holding on for dear life all the way down give up and then people like me who are trying to set up long uh just immediately stop out and just have no 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 um you know no questions asked just get out we're going to take another quick break and be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the real vision daily briefing you're a podcast listener and this is a podcast ad reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Here's a question from Sullage87 from the uh, YouTube feed. Which sectors does Thomas favor in the long term? The long term? Well, long term could be like by Friday, uh, This the way this market is. <laughs> Oh goodness! Uh, look, I like tech. I, you know, it's it's not, I don't, it's not. Wow, that's revel, you know, revelation. I like I like financials. Uh, I missed this. I, I was long financials. What's, what's recently. the thesis on financials, Tom? Higher rates. Um, the Jamie Dimon's. Uh, yeah, increasing uh, that interest margin case. Exactly, and you know, I think they have some a bit of uh, power as far as, you know, increasing. I mean, that's one of the biggest things. Look, financials, the big risk is credit quality. That's that's my concern. If that starts to deteriorate, then, you know, all bets are off. Uh, I think they're operating well. I think they're operating pretty lean as compared to other periods when economic slowdowns occurred. Um, it's not necessarily going to be this gangbusters type rally, but... I think that you can get some alpha out of financials. 
I think the energy stocks are a little overdone. They've worked great. Tony Greer's the man. And staples are overdone. I think all the defensive things could start to peel back. And uh, you could have, you know, technology, consumer discretionary come back. I mean, it's hard when you look at XLY because you have Amazon and Tesla, and those are basically about 40% of that index. And I think Tesla can still go down. I think Tesla could really, you know, that's one that is on the cusp of, you know, another cliff. Well, you know, that was one of the questions actually to you, Tom, which is what were your thoughts on Tesla? Oh, God. Uh, well, look, I, I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm short a uh, little Tesla and it's uh, the, the best case scenario for Tesla right now is if Elon Musk dropped his bid for Twitter. And I think he might. I think he might say, I can't do it because of the bots and some other excuse. My, you know, whatever. I, you know, he, he says a lot of crazy stuff. But, but it almost seems like help. he was sort of queuing that up, right? On, yeah, on he's, trying to, he's or... trying to come up with this exit strategy. And by the way, or is, it just, snap, or is it just a bid to lower the price? Look, if he lowers the price, that's one thing. And I don't, I don't think the the board is going to say, re, why are we renegotiating this? We have a deal. Um, so he's trying to weasel his way out. And if he's, if it breaks up, he's got to pay a billion dollars. And knowing Elon Musk, he'll tie it up in courts for five years, and everybody will go on their own way, and it'll be a total mess, like just about everything. But I think their their core business. Um, you know they're at risk because the China lockdowns. I mean they're trying to, they're you know, jailing some of their workers. I mean housing their workers uh, at their factory in China, and making them build cars uh, with the COVID lockdown. So we'll see how that happens. I, I think that there's a lot of supply chain issues that they've skirted over the last couple of quarters, and that may uh, pop up this quarter as well. And and look, if the consumer is slowing down. I can't see that. Well, I shouldn't say. For me, it seems like buying a Model Y for sixty-three thousand dollars is a stretch for a lot of people right now. And I think that demand, if that starts to wane, could be really difficult, especially when they're re- you know they're opening up two other factories. Yeah, very somber words, uh, Tom. Somber tone today. I wanted to jump to a question that I think really sums up the the conversation we've been having here. This one comes to us from Nikolai Naskov. Obviously, he's been watching this show. Uh, and the question is, any specific ideas that you have that work well in a stagflationary environment? You know, the, the what's worked is, I mean, what's worked is energy. And I think that's that. That's been the trade. I just think that they're overdone at these levels and I wouldn't chase. So that's that right there is boom, energy. But I don't like gold necessarily. It's been sort of perking up a little bit. And mm. I, I I'm not sure if it's gonna go. I think you've also got competition this go around in the cycle with Bitcoin and other crypto stuff that people will hide in instead of just going to gold or silver. Right. So I think right now it's just, and I've said this for you know the whole year. This is a very tactical market. You have to just bob and weave, uh, catch the 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 bear or the bear market rallies, sell into strength, and just 
stay very nimble, keep your sizes very diversified with low exposure. Like I don't ever have a position that's over 5%. And in this environment, I have positions that are 2%. And I'm very happy with that. I can widen my stops, have some volatility range that it will allow things to sort of move around. As you see today, it was up and down uh, pretty dramatically. So that's kind of my my big picture thought right now in this how to navigate the market right now. Yeah, position sizing, risk management, absolutely crucial topics and one that I'm sure we'll be discussing uh, again in the near future. Uh, Tom, it's been a great conversation. Final thoughts, key takeaways that you'd like to leave our viewers with. Well, look, this is this is not a market for heroes and you know trying to make make money in this market is it's a, it's not easy. It's not like you can just it's not 2021 where you just put something in, you pull your Scrabble chips and, okay, that's what I'm buying, or following a lot of other people that are chasing things higher. I think you need to know what you're buying, buy good quality, and 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 be able to take losses when you need to. And that's part of the game. Take measured losses, and if you sell too early or you, you short and you cover too early, and you make money, take that as a win. That's okay. This is a market to forgive yourself for some of the sloppy action in the market. Yeah. Tom Thornton, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me, Ash. Always a pleasure. And thank you again for watching the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Maggie Lake will be back tomorrow with George Goncalves. Final point, if you haven't already seen it, Real Vision's new show, Crypto Unwrapped, is live. Just like RVDB, it's a deep dive into the major stories that are happening in the crypto space. Join us live every Wednesday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. in Mumbai, and 10 p.m. in Hong Kong. It's a truly global show. Thank you again for watching. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.